five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. And welcome back into the Bama on three show. This is your host, Clint Lamb, sitting here once again in the same day, but not for our listeners. And that's what matters with Jimmy Stein. Jimmy, how you doing? Again. Awesome. We are creeping. Hey, hey, hey I know we, we just recorded a little earlier and now it's just minutes later, but we're still, we are closer to kickoff against Auburn now than we were when we started earlier this morning. It's a phenomenal point. See, it's all about perspective. Uh, I love it. But what we're going to be doing now is we're going to be talking a little bit of, of the uh, Iron Bowl, Alabama versus Auburn. I think the last time I looked, Alabama was 19.5-point favorites. Is that correct? I mean, have you gotten an updated line? I think it was yesterday that I looked. That's right. Uh, that It is. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I right now my score, I've got Alabama covering that line, to be honest. Now, I this is my the worst thing I do as a sports uh, journalist, a sports expert, uh, a sport opinion giver. Here's where I'm terrible. At. I'm terrible at predicting all things Auburn. I annually underestimate them. I mean, if I'm wrong about anyone, it's Auburn. Uh, I, I continually underestimate them. I've never gotten past it either. Uh, I, I I just don't ever feel they're as good as they are <laughs> so uh, so that line is 18 and a half 19 and a half um right now my early score is i mean i mean i've got alabama winning the game by around 21 well and what's interesting is i was doing a little bit of research and this is the first time if i'm not mistaken that alabama has been three scores more than two scores uh more than 15 points or 16 points i guess uh favorites on the road in jordan Hare stadium since 2011 uh, so it's been quite a while since Alabama's right. been this big of a favorite going to Jordan Hare, and I find that a little bit interesting. Uh, but it's going to be – this is one of those games that I have a hard time with because emotion and motivation, um, pretty much the same thing. But it, I think it plays such a big role here. But at the same time, when I'm looking at the X's and O's and I'm trying to figure out what plays into Auburn's favor, there's not a whole lot that I'm coming up with, Jimmy. Yeah. Well, I watch quite a bit of their game with South Carolina, uh, not the whole thing, but I watch quite a bit. Um, you know, and here I am underestimating them, them again. I, I'm not very high on TJ Finley. Uh, not that I don't think he'll ever be good. I just think he's the type of quarterback that will be good as he gets older uh, and has more experience. He's a kid to me, Clint, that needs more game management experience. He needs to learn how to manage a game, and that you you're either born with that or 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 you 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 grow into it. To me, I'm not saying T.J. Finley's never going to be good, but young T.J. Finley doesn't uh, doesn't scare me very much. And now now I say that, and he'll he'll be Byron Leftwich, you know, Saturday. But but that's that's the way I see it right now. And he he wasn't impressive against South Carolina. That's why they lost the game. Well, and here's what I struggle with. Um, let me let me explain why I think that this game could get so lopsided. Taking emotion and environment and all those things out, and they, they you can't take them out completely. So I and I completely understand that. And that's where I'm struggling. How much do those things matter? But when you look at the X's and O's of it, first of all, as much as Alabama's defense has struggled, they've really struggled with communication errors and breakdowns and allowing big plays in the passing game as a result. 
Otherwise, they've been pretty good, and that includes against the run. They're the number five team uh, against the run. In Auburn, you, you lose Bo Nix. You turn to T.J. Finley, despite the fact that I don't feel like they utilized Tank Bigsby enough against South Carolina, which was very baffling to me. Uh, even if they try to implement him and make him a huge part of the game plan against Alabama and really run the offense through him, I think Alabama stacks up extremely well. So then you say if Alabama is able to force Auburn to the passing game, do you really trust T.J. Finley to have a lot of success? You know, Arkansas with, with K.J. Jefferson and, you know, uh, Tennessee with uh, Hendon Hooker and some of these, you know, quarterbacks that have played Alabama when the, the mental errors and the breakdowns have happened downfield, these teams have been able to exploit it and take advantage of it. Do you trust T.J. Finley and Auburn to take advantage of it? At this point in time, I do not because nothing that they have done has shown me that they can. Doesn't mean that, they, that it is impossible. Just saying I haven't seen it, so I'm not going to assume that they're going to be able to. Uh, based off of that. So I think that from Alabama's weaknesses, from that standpoint, they are they match up extremely well with Auburn on that side of the football. Then you turn to the other side of the football. Auburn defensively, their defensive front, this is not the same big physical front seven that we've seen from Auburn in the past. Alabama's limitations from its offensive line, how much can Auburn exploit that? I don't really think that they can. And even teams that have had the ability to exploit that, Alabama's offense has still had a ton of success. So, you know, it's, it's just there's nothing on paper to me that points to Auburn and thinks they got a legitimate shot outside of the fact that, it's, you know, I guess Alabama fans call it Voodoo Stadium. You talk about, you know, that environment and how that can really, you know, when a team starts believing, I mean, South Carolina – uh, I think they're a little bit closer to Auburn than maybe we assume going into that game. You've been you've been high on the the South Carolina train all season, by the way, and give you major props for that. But well, high, high on them in the sense of they're going to finish six and six, and I was saying that they were a seven and five type team when everybody thought they might be a three and nine team. Exactly. So I, I was never, hey, they're going to be a contender to win the East. But I did see a better team than. Uh, than you have than, said that, but. They have a few dudes. You know, they do have a few dudes. They do. Uh, and, and, you, and like I said, you said that this entire season. I'll give you major props for that because you were 100% correct. But I just feel like that Auburn right now doesn't have a lot going for them. And I don't feel like that they have a lot to play for. Now, if you beat Alabama, that changes a lot in the way that your season's perceived. And, you know, if you don't think that Auburn fans aren't going to bring up the fact, hey, we were a pretty terrible football team and we still beat you. You know, that's a, that's a, a line that will be used – quite a bit and especially if Alabama somehow manages to go into the SEC championship beat Georgia and then you get a Penn State Ohio State situation from a few years ago when Georgia still goes and Alabama doesn't then Auburn's going to look and say boom uh, we kept you guys out of the playoffs so I'm not saying they don't have anything to play for I think they kind of do yeah. in some ways uh, it's more, more spoiler than anything but it's uh, I just I don't really have a lot of confidence based off of what I've seen up to this point and you know I, I will be interested to see how dj dell you know if he's able to come back i don't think he gets enough credit with alabama fans um i think he's a, a good player um he's not really the penetrating you know going to make a bunch of splash plays christian barmore even a fedarian mathis type of player but i don't think people appreciate or understand what he does behind the scenes or just doing the dirty work, you know, controlling both A-gaps, uh, you know, being one of those two-gapping, you know, defensive linemen. You know, I think he's very, uh, not to the same degree, but he's very Dalvin Tomlinson-esque in that way. Uh, back when Tomlinson played, you know, you looked at Jonathan Allen, you looked at Deron Payne, 
Uh, all those guys were getting all the attention because they were the splash players. But Dalvin Thompson, there's a reason that despite the fact that he didn't even remotely stack up from a statistical you know, point of view to the other defensive linemen that Alabama had, he was still viewed very favorably amongst NFL evaluators. And it's because he was an elite two-gapper. He controlled the, the line of scrimmage at least, you know, his part of the line of scrimmage, and he made the the jobs of the linebackers and stuff playing behind him a lot easier, and he was very well respected for that. And D.J. Dell does not do it to the same degree as Dalvin Thompson. That's not what I'm saying. I just think that him having that style of play, you know, makes Alabama fans think that he's not that good. And, and you know, controlling the gaps, it's not just about being just an absolute rock and, and, and holding at the line of scrimmage. Sometimes you're going to get driven off the ball a little bit, but you know that that's not where the plays are being made necessarily. So I, I just I don't feel like that maybe he gets as, as much uh, appreciation. And so it, with him not being out there, you know, the Tim Smiths of the world and the, and the, the you know, the Stephon Wins who came in, those guys are more of your penetrating or going to try to make plays themselves and that's fun uh but you know that can put some more pressure on your linebackers and so i'll be curious to see going against tank bigsby in that auburn run game if dj dell is healthy enough to play i will i'm sure we'll all ask nick saban tonight but it's something to monitor no i i love that dalvin tomlinson uh comp you just did i mean that's that's really smart that's uh and i agree he's he's not dalvin tomlinson but he's like Dalvin Tomlinson, I, I really like that. Uh, and one point about, you know, the defensive line's gotten a lot of criticism, DJ Dale among them, from fans. And that's because those splash plays, those splash players you talk about, get all the attention this year for Alabama. That's been Mathis. He's made more of those type plays than any of the other defensive linemen. But just look at the overall numbers Alabama has against the run. They're not spectacular. They're not hey, this belongs in, in the Alabama scrapbooks, but they're good. They're good. Alabama is good against the run compared to other Power 5 football teams, and you can't be good against the run if those guys up front aren't doing their job. It is impossible to have a poor defensive line and be good against the run. It starts there. It starts with controlling the gaps. Maybe those guys aren't the ones making the plays, but they're the reason the defense is good against the run. Absolutely. Um, so this is going to be a very interesting game to watch, uh, especially if Alabama ends up struggling because it's a game where they shouldn't struggle. And then it becomes, you know, Auburn was more motivated. How much? How many times we're going to see that from Alabama, uh, where they're not right, where they need to be mentally, and that ends up causing issues on Saturday. You know, I, I think that. You know, I know that Alabama and Nick Saban, uh, of course, has built the Alabama program, so he's the one that's behind it. They've always done a very good job of not looking ahead, you know, uh, and, and we're all kind of looking ahead a little bit to Georgia. That's, you know, where the media um, fans are looking ahead to Georgia. You mentioned that in the – it might have been before that we opt on the show, but just the fact that there's so much attention being given to other things such as, you know, uh, Georgia in the SEC championship, it just seems like the Iron Bowl has lost a little bit of its luster. And that's because Auburn's not great, but typically it gets even more attention than it has been, it feels like, this season. Do you think that the team, with the way that they've done, you know, had some uncharacteristic behavior at times this year, do you think that it's possible that they might come out not focused because they're focusing uh, or looking ahead to Georgia? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a real – I mean – Nick talked about it just uh, uh, last week, and it's something we all need to remember. Uh, 
coach was saying that, hey, sometimes the kids get their cues from the fans and, and the fans need to be more invested and focused on each week uh, and not take a team lightly. And coach was worried we weren't taking Arkansas uh, seriously enough. And, and sure enough, the game was a one-score game that came down to an onside kick at the end. Um, I, the fans this week have been looking forward to Georgia, and, and I'm guilty of that as well, talking about Georgia, talking about the playoff and not talking about Auburn enough. And then the passing of Cecil Hurt, you know, while not a distraction to the team, should never be a distraction, but that's, that's what's going to be talked about a lot by the fans, uh, you know, on, on Wednesday and Thursday of game week. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think it's realistic that Alabama, uh, in, an, in an Iron Bowl rarity, could be caught looking ahead. But, again, I don't think Auburn's good enough to take advantage of all that and Alabama has been pretty good on offense every week except LSU. Uh, I, I think Alabama's been good offensively every week this season, uh, even against an elite defense like Texas A&M. They scored 31 points against that defense and then added seven on special teams. Uh, I think that, that Alabama's going to score, and, and that's ultimately what will lead Alabama to win the game. I, I, I just don't see Auburn scoring – with Alabama, even if Alabama doesn't play its A game. Absolutely. And so we'll be getting the score predictions here in just a second because we also got some mailback questions to get to as well. You know, I do think that with Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter and, and Sean Shivers, you know, pretty good run game uh, when they actually choose to utilize it. Tank Bigsby needs to be your headliner. I think Jarquez Hunter convinced us all that he was a little bit better than he is early on in the season. I still think he's a good running back, but I don't think he's – he shouldn't be taking touches away, consistent touches away from Tank Bigsby. But uh, with that run game, uh, the offensive line hadn't always done a good job run blocking. I think that's probably one of their biggest weaknesses as an offensive line. But, you know, I think Christian Harris and Henry, Henry Toto, they're both going to need to have good games. I think, you know, if DJ Dell plays, he's going to need to have a good game because I think it starts with him. You know, I think Emil Ikior with Colby Wooden, who is an interior defensive lineman. He can play some edge, but a lot of, you know, at the time he's playing on the interior. Uh, he's a very good defensive lineman and up-and-comer, and he's going to be lined up quite a bit on Emil Ikior. And, and I don't think Ikior has been playing great football. You know, I think he's been okay at times, but I don't think he's playing his best right now. And so I think that he'll need to be an important matchup to watch. It's not just him. How is Damian George, uh, you know, continuing to develop? I will say – Going back and watching the Alabama game, the first half, I really thought that Damian George struggled. I thought he struggled a lot in pass protection, even though some of that fell on Bryce Young hanging on the football too long. I think some of it, you know, Damian George did not look great in pass protection, and then there were several run blocks. You know, he was really struggling with, with slants and stunts inside and, you know, figuring out who his man was supposed to be that he was supposed to be uh, blocking. But then in the second half, after I went back and watched, I literally am watching the growth happen. He's getting more comfortable. He's getting more confident. He's understanding things better. He wasn't perfect in the second half, but that's the kind of thing that you didn't see earlier in the season at that position. What you saw is what you got. There wasn't, you know, wasn't getting much worse, but it wasn't getting any better either. With Damian George in just one half of football against a quality opponent, I think he, he had a lot of growing up that he had to do, and I think that he grew up quite a bit. And so I'm encouraged uh, by that position moving forward. But he's also somebody to continue to watch and monitor because I think that Auburn's got several quality uh, you know, or at least pretty decent exterior pass rushers. And, and certainly those guys are going to be lined up quite a bit on Damian George. So 
the offensive line is in another area. Uh, now, with this game and the way that it's being, you know, you do have Georgia next week. Uh, and as much as, you know, Nick Saban's very in the moment, very now, do you think there's any tinkering that happens or anything they're trying out or trying to get, you know, polished or cleaned up for next week? I think it would be really smart. And again, you have to take Auburn seriously. It's not about Auburn. It's not about Georgia. It has to be about Auburn. But it sure would be nice if we put something on tape that distracts Georgia. You know, something that Georgia has to spend a lot of time on because they saw Alabama do something in the Auburn game that made Georgia go, uh, we have to spend some practice periods on this. Anything that can get Georgia out of normal preparation, I think would be great, whether it's trick plays, whether it's new formations, whether it's a package with Milrow. Uh, I mean, if you want to get extreme. Because against Georgia, you're going to have to fire every arrow in the quiver. You, you, they're, they're, Alabama has to show Georgia everything. You have to throw all the noodles against the wall to see what sticks when you play Georgia. So I think it would be smart to play Auburn and set up something in the Georgia game, whatever that happens to be. But even more importantly than that, Clint, is just the overall message is Alabama does not have to play its best game of the year to beat Auburn. But what you have to do is put yourself in a position to play your best game of the year next week. So what does Alabama have to do this week to improve? What does Alabama have to do this week? to put next week on a tee, the leave the Auburn game going, now we're ready to play our best football seven days from now. Completely agree. And, and, and going back to the, the thing that they need to put on tape for Georgia, to me they already started to, <clears throat> to do it against Arkansas. It's just a matter of keeping that going, pushing the ball vertically. Put that yeah. on film. It is the best that I have seen Bryce Young play as far as throwing with anticipation, throwing guys open. And, and if you do that two weeks in a row, Georgia's going to make the assumption that that is who Bryce Young is becoming, and they're going to have to respect that. Up to, you know, but if, if the, the, the Arkansas game, and if they could do it against Auburn, if those two games don't exist, Georgia plays Alabama very differently in the fact that it's going to, they're going to play a lot more condensed. They're going to keep things in uh, – you know, they're, they're more so going to be focused about the things in front of them coming down and stopping the run, and that is going to make everything more difficult. And I talked about this on Twitter during the Arkansas game is things feed off each other. You know, early in the game they, they were running the ball okay at times, but not really. They weren't being consistent with it. Um, they were dropping some passes. Uh, there were some, you know, some deep stuff. But as things start to click, you know, you hit that big play uh, to Jamison Williams, that starts to open up your run game a little bit more. And, you know, then you start utilizing your run game a little bit more. And now they're coming up and, and that, you know, takes away from what they can do as far as covering you deep. And that opens up opportunities as far as play action and, and on the short to intermediate stuff with John Mechie. And that's, you know, all three things when you start getting that, you know, train going those wheels going on all that stuff, it, it just – I think that that's what you need to do is push the ball vertically, have some big pop plays, and let Auburn know that what the, the Bryce Young that we saw against Arkansas is the Bryce Young that's going to be walking into Atlanta. And if they do that, Georgia already is going to be easier and softer to run against as far as their front seven, and it's already going to be easier for the, the short to intermediate stuff to open up for John Mechie. You know, what I love, Clint, is, you know, you got to look for, okay, against Georgia, they're so good defensively. 
what can we do that they would have a difficult time with? And here's the first thing on the list that plays right into what you just said. Jameson Williams can run past any of their DBs. I mean, that's, that's, that's one thing that can work. Mm-hmm. Jameson is faster than anybody they got. Uh, and, and because he's faster than anybody than anybody's got. Um, but that can work. Now, the problem with, with vertical routes is you, you've got to buy a little bit of time for the quarterback. Those aren't quick routes. Bryce is going to have to get the snap and, and, and stay upright for the three seconds, uh, three to four seconds it takes for Jameson to get 40 yards down the field. Um, so you're going to have to play a lot of max protect. You're going to have to keep the tight end in, keep the backs in, maybe only Mechie and JMO in the route. Uh, and, and, and but but it can win. You can win with that play. I love it uh, because maybe, like you said, if you get Georgia conscious of it, maybe maybe now they won't bunch everybody up at the line of scrimmage. They have to keep the safeties back to give the corner some help. Uh, but I, I love it. It's the one thing that we can do that's very difficult for the other teams to stop. Jamison is a sub four four forty guy, and he plays that fast on the field. He really does. And, and you know, the, the zero blitzes that we saw um, against LSU, we saw some of it with Arkansas. Once Alabama started hitting some of those big plays and making them pay for it, you stop seeing it as much. And with Georgia, this is how you strain their defense. They've, they have not had a single offensive opponent who has been able to run the football effectively, be effective on the short to intermediate routes, and have somebody that can win consistently underneath, and then having somebody that can take the top off of your defense. And that is why it is so difficult. When you're playing limited offenses, it's easy. You limit what they can do well. You give extra attention to it. But when you can do all those different things and you know that you understand that Cameron Latou, despite the fumble, is getting more involved in the offense, and you're also going to have him as a red zone threat, that every time that you can put an extra person that Georgia has to be weary of on tape and and let them know this is a guy that you need to be taking seriously that takes away from their preparation for from Jamison Williams and from from John Mechie and from Brian Robinson and so it's not just you know Ja'Cory Brooks very limited amount I could see him kind of having a breakout game this weekend against Auburn uh, just because I do think that you're going to always get the targets and stuff from from those two guys, but I think Jacory is, is trending in the right direction where when he's getting on the field and the limited amount that he's getting on the field, he's rewarding the coaching staff for doing so. That's going to lead to more opportunities. And as long as he continues to, and Nick Saban's talked about it when it comes to other receivers or, or other pass catchers, he was talking about the tight ends, maximizing your opportunities when you get them. Jacory Brooks has been doing that. So I wouldn't be shocked if he ended up being more involved in the game plan and not a breakout like he's going to go for 100 yards but I could see him having three catches for 42 yards you know or you know him trending in the right direction and then Georgia's got somebody on tape they're like dang you know we, we got to make sure you know we, we're accounting for this guy now their perimeter blocking has got a lot better uh you know our corners we got to make sure that they're prepared to be able to you know have a little bit more difficulty on those you know screens and bubbles and all those things uh or swing passes you know tackling or getting past uh, the, the receiver and then tackling in space uh, it's just like I said every time that you can put more of that on tape it makes things easier for you when the game finally rolls around uh, that's going to do it for the Auburn breakdown we're going to move on and talk a little mailbag we got a couple of questions and we'll try to get them relatively quickly but sure. the first one is going to be from Bama boy Troy 
And he said, with the postseason approaching, what would you guys consider a successful season for Alabama? Coming off perhaps the greatest season of all time last year and with Bryce and Will back next year, I think I would be content with winning the Iron Bowl and sending the seniors off on a high note in a bowl game, similar to the 2020 Citrus Bowl. Yeah, we I've gone over this on the on three message board about, you know, what I call the the three possible conclusions to this season. One was, you know, getting in the playoff and 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 and, and one of the options was, you know, getting to uh, a January 1st uh bowl game. I I think Clint if Alabama beats Auburn, um I don't think this is about math. I I think it, there's still choices to be made. But I believe Alabama would almost certainly be in the Sugar Bowl if they don't make the playoff uh, by beating Auburn, finishing eleven and one, uh, finishing the regular season eleven and one. I, I think the Sugar Bowl would choose Alabama over, let's say, uh, ten and two Ole Miss, uh, assuming Ole Miss wins Thursday night. Uh, so you know, it's hard. I don't want to be the fan, uh, you know, that that says. Well, Alabama's played football for 130 years, and only only 18 of the seasons have been good ones. You know, the the 18 national championships; those are only good seasons we ever had. That that can't be true. If if we if 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 winning 10 games, 11 games, winning the West, and going to the Sugar Bowl is disappointing, what are we becoming? I mean, what are we becoming? What, what we're robbing the we're robbing ourselves of the joy of college football if 11 wins, beating Auburn, playing in the postseason, playing the SEC championship, going to the Sugar Bowl to play in Oklahoma or a Baylor in Oklahoma State, uh, that, of course that's a good – that has to – if that's not a good season, what the hell are we doing as fans? Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's got to be considered a good season. And I think that I'd, I'm a lot more willing to – say those same things when that's what happens you know yeah. it's like uh accepting that that is a, po a possibility right now i can see where alabama fans don't want to acknowledge that that's a good season right now but if we're being realistic with ourselves that is a pretty good season that is a season that most teams out there would you know most fan bases would love to have and love to take and it doesn't live up quite to what you wanted to happen but you know if you shoot to be to to make hundred million dollars and you make 75 million are you disappointed you know i mean <laughs> right i mean you know and and that's you know everybody else would love to have the 75 million dollars but here you are being like i wanted a hundred million and i'm i'm just i hate life so much right now that we only got 75 million <laughs> uh, so i think it's just all about perspective and and people you know fan bases get spoiled alabama spoiled and, and most fans will tell you uh, that, that, that they are spoiled, that what Alabama's success, as much as they appreciate it, has also reset their expectations of what they consider successful. And I understand that perspective uh, as well. So, Jimmy, you got anything else to add to this question? Oh, no, no not really. I, I'm just, you know, if, if it plays out that way, and hey, it may not, I'm, I'm going to be more optimistic than most, frankly, about that Georgia game. Uh, it, it, may, it may play out differently. But what I don't want to hear, what will make me roll my eyes, because I know I'm going to hear this, uh, assuming Alabama loses to Georgia and plays in the Sugar Bowl, and, and we talk about the, you know, the analysis of the 2021 season, uh, when it starts with, uh, Jimmy, what, what went wrong in 2021? I, I'm going to be rolling my eyes and shaking my head. Well, what went wrong? Uh, 
we were like the fourth best team in college football. We were the fourth best team, uh, maybe the third best team. Uh, that's unacceptable. That's wrong. That's a disaster. Uh, we went from first to third. That's what went wrong. Hey, we're taking we're taking a Ricky Bobby mentality. If you ain't first, you're last. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure we we learned later on in that movie. You can be second, third. Hell, you can be fourth. I mean, it, there's no. I mean, and it's like I said. I understand because people, other people, in a lot of ways, view Alabama's season as a failure. You know, Alabama misses the playoffs two years in a row and what's the talking head saying is the dynasty over they've now gone two years without or not making the playoffs but not winning the national championship excuse me but you know is the dynasty over i mean they, they didn't win the national championship for two years uh and and that's what i think alabama fans don't look forward to those off seasons i think it's more in a lot of ways it's about that more than it's about actually winning the championship it's you don't want to spend the entire off season worrying i mean is it the end of the dynasty uh you know if you go undefeated and you got you know a, a historically good recruiting class that follows it up and have one of the best you know seasons of all time that's a pretty good off season. You're feeling pretty good. You know, everything that the train is rolling, uh, along very well and all is right and good in the world. But when you got, you know, qu any kind of question marks, Alabama fans aren't really used to a whole lot of question marks and they don't want to spend an entire off season when everybody's playing the what if game, uh, and speculating, dealing with that kind of stuff. So, you know, because if Georgia wins the national championship and they railroad everybody with the off season storyline is going to be, has, has Kirby smart and Georgia taking over Alabama as the, the top program in the sec and Alabama fans don't want to deal with that conversation. So it's a, it's a lot of pressure being an Alabama fan. Uh, it is crazy. Yeah. so, um, but it is what it is. Alabama fans deal a lot out too, a lot of trash talking because they got a lot to talk trash about, but, uh, the last thing that we'll, cover real quickly um got a lot of questions here and just we'll just a couple sentences maybe um but roll tide 6718 on twitter asked or they said i got a couple of things one does alabama have any interest in jason garrett two when can we see drew sanders come back he was really good he was getting really good uh three running back any news on kamar wheaton four not being able to pick up fourth and short is concerning and five special teams more now more aware of fakes. So you could just pick any of that. It's all from the same person. As long as we answer at least one of them, uh, they got, you know, uh, we ain't got to break down all that stuff, but I mean, you know, and if you need any questions repeated, cause I just dropped about 32 of them on you. Let me know. I can just answer them all. I think I can answer most of them really quickly. I mean, Kamar Wheaton's injured. He's not playing this season. That's he will not even play in the national championship game. Uh, if Alabama makes it that far. I mean, Kamar's just – just look forward to seeing him in the spring. My understanding is he'll be 100% in the spring, but he's not playing. Drew Sanders is back. He's been back for a couple of weeks. He's able to play. He's medically cleared. He actually has played in the game. You haven't seen him because he hasn't played as much, and that's because uh, he's been Wally pipped a little bit, if you know that, that baseball sports reference. Uh, he was out of the lineup, and uh, a guy stepped in, and he's just too good to take off the field, and that's Dallas Turner. Dallas Turner is sort of – beating Drew Sanders out. It is not a reflection on Drew. It's a reflection of Dallas. He's fantastic. He's, I would rank Dallas Turner, frankly, like if we're going to rank like, you know, if we say we have 13 starting defensive players, you know, when you count nickel and dime, if you say we have 13, I think Dallas is one of our top five or six players, period, already as a true freshman. Uh, that's how good he is. So Drew's Drew's not going to play as many snaps as he was before. Uh, Jason Garrett, that's a great, great question. I love it because 
I think Alabama tried to hire Jason Garrett back in 07 to be our first offensive coordinator. And uh, I forget what he was doing at the time, but he didn't want to leave the NFL. And, and, and it's smart that he didn't because he ended up having like a 10 or 11-year uh, period head coach of the Cowboys. Um, I, I think if Bill O'Brien gets a head coaching job, and I personally expect that, I expect Bill O'Brien to be a head coach somewhere next season. And if there is a resulting opening an offensive coordinator, yes, I, I believe Jason Garrett would be a candidate uh, because he has worked for Nick in the past. Uh, that's why I say that, not just because he's a fired NFL coordinator. No, he has a relationship with, uh, with Nick Saban. He worked for Nick Saban uh, with the Miami Dolphins. So, yeah, I think it's very uh, possible. Fourth and short, when we don't make it, you know our offensive line isn't exactly the best unit on the team. Uh, we should never be surprised when the offensive line quote, doesn't get it done, they're still not horrible. Here's just the perfect example. Yesterday, the Joe Moore Award people put out their 13 finalists for the Joe Moore Award. Alabama's not on it. Um, we've been winning that award, but Alabama didn't even make the top 13, and that's fine. I I'm sure if it went all the way to top 25, Alabama would be on those. We do have one of the top 25 offensive lines in college football, but it it it's not elite like it was, so we should never be shocked when the offensive line uh, doesn't get it done on every single snap. But don't, get, don't confuse good with bad. We went from great to good. We didn't go from great to bad. Completely agree. And I'll say this. Uh, <laughs> the whole special teams more aware of fakes, they were aware of the fake against Arkansas. They, uh, they, they saw it coming. They just, you know um, – they had a variation, which Alabama, I think, was going to be responding well, but your guy ends up getting picked by the ref. Uh, I don't think that was intentional. I think the play design was, you know, that was supposed to be part of the play design to help him get open and give him some space. Uh, but it's not a matter of being more aware. It's, you know, how do you defend that and learning how to counter. I think Alabama was very aware of that special teams or uh, – fake field goal so that's going to wrap it up for today's episode of the bam on three show we'll be back next week uh reviewing the auburn game talking a little bit about it and then it is finally the sec championship week a lot of georgia content i mean jimmy and i are going to be covering every aspect of it because it's the first round of the playoffs we've talked about that from alabama's perspective if you're an alabama fan the you know next week starts the college football playoff uh hunt so jimmy i appreciate you hopping on here with me it's been a lot of fun and we will talk soon Awesome. All right. That's going to do it for today's episode of the Bam on 3 show. I'm your host, Clint Lamb.